Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. There was me, that is Mita, and my podcast Droog, that is Nadine. Okay, that was pretty good. Right? I was going to have a glass of milk, but you keep getting mad when I have visual <laughs> aspects. I think the visuals are actually very good, but my issue with the visuals is, is that our listeners have no idea what you're doing. No, no, they'll be fine. <laughs> uh, no, but that was good. Yeah. I liked it. Did you like my accent? Yeah, it was a little strange. But I know, I feel like, because <laughs> the problem is I have to really get going, but I can't talk like this before we started, because then you would know that I'm trying to do Sounds so fake, Mitha. Before we started. Oh, that's how Emily Blunt talks. I don't know what to tell you. Oh. <sighs> oh. Mitha, how's it going? Living, and guess what, Nadim? Oh, do tell. Breathing heavily. Oh. <laughs> heavily. <laughs> First of all, it is so hot in this so city. So hot. It is Disgusting. absolutely out of control. <laughs> I woke up in a sweat and I showered the night before because I, I went out for dinner yesterday. Oh, I went out wonder. in the outside world on a patio at the Cheshire Cat Pub. Have you ever been? Mm, have not. Oh, it's quite nice. Um, but it was disgustingly hot. It's like disgusting. So I came home and showered. And then I woke up this morning and I was like, I need to shower again. Yeah. You were supposed to go to the beach on Saturday mm-hmm. with uh, like our kids and then like all of our friends. And they were like, oh, it's a humidex of 42 degrees. This does not seem healthy. She nasty. It was, yeah, it's muggy. No likey. Yeah. Mita, what's happening in the world? What are we talking about today? Okay, well, on our itinerary today... <laughs> We have a couple things. Did you? Would you like to start, or should I start? You start. Okay, I I'm gonna start with. Uh, oh well, first, actually, I didn't put this on the itinerary, but I am gonna start with. Um, last week, you heard us talk about Jeopardy hosts. Yes. And we announced that Mike Richardson, I should have written his name down, whoever <laughs> he is, the um, producer of Jeopardy, not named himself as the host yeah. of Jeopardy. And then in this last week, um, news broke that he actually made some really uh, disturbing comments on a podcast um, about, about women, women, about um, so a lot of things. There were some lawsuits, too, from when he worked on The Prices Right Against Discrimination. And so he has now been fired as the host of Jeopardy. Good. And so um, Mayan Blahnik? Blahnik? Mayan Bialik? Bialik? Blossom. Yeah. Blossom, is Blossom. Now- <laughs> <laughs> Blossom is now the host for the next three months. But then oh. she's still going to have just her like temporary like the primetime specials and like spinoffs. Okay. So Eventually still- when they find someone like full time. Yeah. And I'm I'm hoping for LeVar Burton. I don't know. Okay. It's reading Jeopardy. <laughs> Do you know she has a sitcom? Uh, Mayan Bialik. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did not like look a, very good. <laughs> with a, yeah, with a, it's like a laugh track and all of that. I'm like, is anyone actually still interested in this style of scripted comedy? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
you'd be surprised, I guess, because the Big Bang Theory went big for so many years. For so many years, but that's because it was on CBS, and that's like a lot of elderly people who love to watch the Big Bang Theory because they think it's so funny when it's not. It was not funny. It's old people humor. And I'm still really mad that they used to make me watch it in the back room of things. I was like, can we turn this off? And I was like, it's hilarious. I was like, no, it's not. No, it's they not. just made this a poop joke. Funny. Like, do you really think that that's funny? <laughs> no, well, 30 Rock makes poop jokes. But, but they make, like, <laughs> educational. Elevated. <laughs> I was going to say, elevated poop jokes. Elevated poop. There's a difference. Yeah, exactly. Oh. But this was not our topic. <laughs> We're going it was not. I was actually just going to say, didn't you go to the movies this week? I did. So I that? feel like we should have a segment now that's meet that at the movies. <laughs> Why? I've been doing it so much more before <laughs> you. Why didn't I get the segment? Because I, who's been going more recently, Nadim? I mean, fair enough. Yes. Um. So I've seen three movies at the theater since theaters. You didn't tell me about the up. third one. I saw um the Suicide Squad. Yeah. I saw Free Guy. You didn't tell me that. I told you I saw Free Guy. You just, like, ignored my text. <laughs> you did not tell me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was like, hey, I'm going to go see Free Guy. <laughs> you said I'm going to go, but you never confirmed. Oh, sorry. Okay, well, here yeah. you have it live. <laughs> I went and saw Free Guy, and then... Um, like I recently- don't- we talk every day, Mita. How could you forget this? <laughs> Maybe I was saving it for the podcast. That's probably more likely. <laughs> That's probably. And then I, I saw Respect as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, Free Guy, I will just say it was better than I expected and okay. not what I thought it was going to be at all. Okay. So go see but it. I'm more curious about Respect. Yes. Okay. So I saw Respect. I didn't have the, the highest expectations for mm-hmm. it. I just like peaked to see what the meta score score was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it was in the 70s at that point. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then I, at first I thought I wasn't going to talk about it at all in the podcast because it just like, it wasn't that great. That's my... Yeah. My two cents on it. But then I was thinking a lot about, like, why didn't I like it? And Aretha Franklin is a very fascinating person. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that's happened in her life that they just lightly touch. And they lightly sprinkle oh. in so the what movie. Is, what's the focus, then? It's all of these really interesting things about her life. And it doesn't focus oh, on it's one like too of many them. things. It's too many things happening. It's, you know, it's the fact that she was abused as a child, that she was a young mother starting her career, that at the beginning of her career, she didn't get to make her own choices and she was ruled by her, like, overbearing father. It's that she was involved in, like, civil rights movements and was an activist. It's that she had a really bad drinking problem and, like, she had to overcome a lot of those things in her life to be, like, the performer we know her as now. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's just so many ideas happening at once. And I left that theater... Going into my car, I turned on a murder podcast. And like if I'm <laughs> if I'm yeah. leaving a movie that's supposed to be about one of the greatest singers of all time, I should yeah. be finding that Aretha Franklin's Essentials playlist. Yeah, absolutely absolutely. And yeah. blasting it. And I didn't. And uh I didn't like it. So that's my I don't want to spoil anything. That's fair. But yeah. But how is the J HUD? I mean, okay all the movie proves is that J- Jennifer Hudson can sing and we all knew that. Yeah. I've known that for like the last, I don't know, when was she on American Idol? Well, my question about J-Hud is, anytime I watch Dreamgirls, I think, this is a fine performance, but she won it for singing. And I'm Telling You. Yeah. Not just singing. She won it for And I Am Telling You. <laughs> she won it for that single song. Mm-hmm. And it, because 
She sings it immaculately, but she does perform it in the movie very well, too. She can really pull off performing a musical number. Yeah. Based on, like, I don't really, like, if you've seen the Sex and the City movie, which is the (laughs) one other movie I can think about that she's in. Yeah. She's not that great of, like, an actress, but she can perform a musical number. Because, yeah, anytime I watch Dreamgirls, I'm like, I don't know if she deserved this. But then you get to, and I'm telling you, and I'm like, oh, I'm moved by this song I've seen, like, seven times I cried when I first watched it. Yeah, it's really something to watch, because she's really good. But I was hoping that Aretha would be able to clear the air about whether she was a good actress or not. But um, I don't know if this is like an affair, a fair assessment of her because I just didn't find the script that great. Like, I don't think she oh. was given anything that was like really moving. And the problem I have with it is that there's probably so much that could have been done. Like, slight spoiler alert. So like, plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. But like, Aretha Franklin had a kid at 12 years old. Oh. At 12. And they don't do anything about that they don't they just sort of like they show one image of a 12 year old girl with a pregnant belly like that's it they don't talk about it mm, and i think that's a big thing that you could discuss uh, yeah and yeah. i think a big part of that was because like she didn't like talking about it in her life and she probably had a lot of influence in this film being made like she picked jennifer hudson she said she wanted jennifer hudson to do this role and it reminded me a lot of like bohemian rhapsody where it was really sugar-coated and that was because the members of Queen didn't want to sort of like dutty, for lack of a better word, Freddie Mercury. Bohemian Rhapsody is such a boring movie. Yeah. And like, think about what and Sasha like Baron Cohen his, could have done. Yeah. Yeah. And like completely sanitized his sexuality yeah. and he had AIDS. Like there's so much stuff that was sanitized and just like completely ignored. Mm-hmm. So if that's the kind of movie Aretha is, or respect is, sorry, I don't, I don't think I'll be jumping to see it. Don't go to the theater to see it. Okay. You can wait till it's, it'll be on like Netflix or Crave or something. You can watch it then. But actually, I think seeing Free Guy would be fun. Okay. Yeah. I'll take you for that. There we go. You did also have something, before we get to the movie, you did have something you wanted to talk about in regards to the chair. Yes. Okay. Have you... I asked you this before, but I'm going to do it for the podcast. Have you seen The Chair? I have not. I've heard of The Chair. Yeah. I have not watched it yet either, but I keep seeing the little ad for it on Netflix. And I was Mm -hmm. watching this like promo video for it. And I'm seeing Sandra Oh, and I'm so excited because Sandra Oh is from Ottawa. She's from Ottawa. She went to my high school. Yeah, there you go. I had an English teacher in my high school when I was in high school who like used to gloat about having taught Sandra Oh. She was Mm. very proud of herself. And she's auto girl. She's talking about this show, and she's, and she's like super excited. And I'm super excited. And then on my screen, Amanda Peet shows up. <laughs> Amanda Peet's on the screen, and I'm like, oh, I didn't, I had no idea she's in yeah, this show. That's so exciting. <laughs> and I'm listening to her talk, and then I I look down on the screen, and the theme it says creator slash showrunner <laughs> Amanda Peet is the creator slash showrunner. Of the show, and I'm very excited for her because I've heard really great things about it, and so have you. You can't lie. I, have, I you absolutely just told me have. Before. Yeah, I can't deny it. And I think Amanda Pete is getting her comeuppance, and I'm really excited. <laughs> I don't think anybody cares as much as you do. I am the biggest Amanda Pete fan, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think you are the only Amanda Pete. No, fan. there's other people. People love Amanda Pete. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's. True, I think my but... sister does. 
she likes Amanda Peet, maybe, but I don't yeah, think anyone people loves like Amanda, Amanda Peet. When they see her, they get excited. They're like, oh, Amanda Peet. No, I literally don't think anybody feels that way about her. Okay, well, I will be that sole person. Amanda Peet, I'm your number one fan. <laughs> and I'm just excited for you to win an Emmy. I was just going to say, this is probably, if regard, sorry, not regardless, depending on how good the show is, this is probably the closest she'll get to winning an Emmy. Yeah. She might have one for some guest appearance. We don't know. I don't think so. The Good Wife? No, I wouldn't give her an Emmy. <laughs> Even you, if you wouldn't give her an Emmy, no well, one is giving her an Emmy. I'm just thinking what else was on TV and like, anyways. But this is not the Amanda Peet Appreciation Podcast. Um, I will be starting that. You can join my <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> this week, we watched a Nadim movie. We did. We watched A Clockwork Orange by Stanley Kubrick. Yep. Mitha, do you want to give us a quick IMDb disco before sure. we launch into it? Sorry, what was the word? <laughs> You're just <laughs> try, trying new. I'm trying new words because that's very Clockwork Orange. Disco, okay. Disco. Um, so yes, the IMDb disco for A Clockwork Orange is as follows. In the future... A sadistic gang leader is imprisoned and volunteers for a conduct aversion experiment, but it doesn't go as planned. Mm-hmm. That's like such a, like a really like sugar-coated way of explaining <laughs> this movie. Some of these, I'm just, the more we do these I am uh, movies and you look at the IMDb descriptions, I'm like, these are like, it's it's like distilling something down to its absolute bare Minimum. elements yeah. to describe it because this movie much like other movies is just so much more than that but i read it too in our itinerary and i was just like wow imdb this is a lame description of this film it's really lame but i also think like for a lot of the movies that we've watched imdb wasn't around when when yeah when exactly. we when these movies were made and when they were being promoted and so i wonder like who then because like IMDb probably didn't in. come into place until like 30 years later. Who yeah. ma- who decided that that's the tagline for it? I mean, when I you go into job. when you write movies, usually the writer does come up with a logline for it. Yeah. But I don't know who sat down and was just like this is going to be the one for a clockwork orange. But anyways, this is a lot of description about the logline for a clockwork orange <laughs> without talking about a clockwork orange. Yes. So Nadim, will you please tell me especially <laughs> Um, not just our listeners, but me, Mitha, why you chose for me, Mitha, to watch <laughs> A Clockwork Orange. You really letting me know how you feel about this. Yes, me, Mitha. Okay, so we watched three Stanley Kubrick movies last year. Three. Trois. Trois. Which is a lot, actually. It was the, the director we watched the most. We watched something from the beginning of his career, Fear and Desire, something from the middle, 2001, and then something from the end. Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. You've already seen The Shining, but you actually, you hadn't seen it until I told you to watch it in, during the pandemic, right? Yeah. No, it was okay. like while we were filming our podcast. Oh, filming, yeah. oh right. We, yeah. we weren't, yeah, and we didn't know what we were doing for season two. So I realized you hadn't seen A Clockwork Orange, which is arguably probably Kubrick's most seminal work, I'd say. Between Can you the define Shining, seminal for me? I think it's the work that defines him. Okay. And that's tough because between 2001, The Shining, and A Clockwork Orange, which are his biggest films, I think A Clockwork Orange is his most maybe notorious Mm -hmm. or his most 
the one most people know. Yeah. Actually, you could say that about 2001. Oh, that's a tough thing to say, actually. It's hard with him because he's so legendary. Yeah. Either way, you had seen, let's call it the 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 trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. This is the trilogy of movies by Stanley Kubrick. And you had seen two. You hadn't seen the third one. So I kind of very instantly put this on the list. I saw this years ago. I was probably in my early 20s and dumb. I knew I read up enough to know how controversial it was and like the history of it. And I was kind of like, I think I snuck it into my house and I like watched it late at night. And while watching it, I was just like, oh, I'm not supposed to be watching this. (laughs) And I remember, again, I was like early 20s and I was a little shit. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's so good. It's by Stanley Kubrick. You must watch A Clockwork Orange. And then I watched it again a few years later. And this is actually only the third third time I've ever watched this. I have also read the book. Oh, interesting. That it's based on. So I hadn't seen this in at least, at least 10, maybe even 15 years. No, not 15. 10 years is how long ago, like I saw it. So I put it on the list because I knew you had to see it. Mm -hmm. And at the, when I had seen it, I had a very high opinion of it. And now I have an opinion of it now. Before we go into the details, I want to know what you knew of A Clockwork Orange before going into it. Okay. I have a confession to make. You read the IMDb description? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't read the IMDb. Okay. So when I was a young teen, I used to call myself the queen of pop culture. (laughs) And by used to, I still do. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And so maybe like there have been times where I fibbed about having seen a movie. (laughs) Did you have you ever done this as a kid? Wait, to me? No, not to you. To like other people. Okay. I didn't know yes. you when I was fifteen. I thought you were getting to the point of saying that you had seen this. No, 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 no. no. What I'm saying is, I lied to people oh. as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's said super like, oh yeah, I've seen yeah. a Clockwork Orange. Oh my gosh, it's so great. Like I, <laughs> I did that. Yeah. And okay. so, um, I apologize to everybody that I lied to. <laughs> I had never seen it, but I, no. as an adult, I can ad- own up to my lies yes, <laughs> and fair. admit that I had never seen it um, and just said that I did so that I would look cool to other yeah. people. Um, but now I am cool because I watched it. So, yeah, yes. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but what I knew about it was that it was a Stanley Kubrick film, mm-hmm. that it is one of his most notorious films. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that there was like a lot of controversy involving like the subject matter and specifically nudity and rape. That's what I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I knew going into it. So for our listeners, just to give a quick prov- provisor before we launch into our discussion, A Clockwork Orange was made in 1970. Was it exactly 1970? 1971 it came out. Okay. Uh, 1970. So it was made in the 70s and it was extremely controversial. It was actually banned in the UK for a long time. You couldn't find it. You couldn't rent it. It only became more easily accessible more recently Mm -hmm. uh, because of its heavy violence and heavy uh, graphic sexual depictions of nudity and rape. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, when we talk about notorious, that's really what it is. And one of the big things that the IMDb description doesn't explain, because the IMDb description is the most sanitized description of this film. Yeah. It is really about extreme violence and extreme sexual violence Mm -hmm. and the effects that that has. And that is a more, I think, accurate 
distillation of the story. Or even if they wanted something like just a little more, you know, accurate, like talk about good versus evil and like nature versus nurture. Yeah. And (laughs) the notion of like, can you actually choose goodness or can you, are you innately good, evil, good or bad? Yeah. But I got to know, Mita, what were your feelings after watching this? Because first of all, I want to share one thing. I hadn't seen this. I... This recording by the U is the first recording coming to you from my new house. Ooh la which is, la. <laughs> it's very fancy pants. Which is why uh, it might be a little echoey because I'm sitting in an empty closet and my guest room with no furniture. So I apologize for that. And as we go forward, I'll try to get better at it. I watched it a couple of nights ago. And my wife, my wife and I do this thing since I'm off for parental leave where I'll stay up with my son until like 3, 4 o'clock. And then I'll bring him up and I'll sleep in until like 10 and so, like, we essentially split the sleeping so that we're both at least sleeping, like, six hours a night, which is nice because then we're getting, like, real sleep. So I put in a clockwork or I asked my wife first. I was like, do you want to sit here and watch it with me? She's like, no. I put in the DVD because I own it. And then it's on the menu screen. And my wife turns and she's like, what the F are you watching? <laughs> and this is the menu screen. I haven't even turned it on. Wait, did your son watch it? <laughs> No, he was okay. sleeping. Like, I was like, for a second, I thought you were telling me that you watched it with him. And I was like, I know he's a baby, but like. <laughs> I did watch it with him, but he's a child, A. And like, he slept and I like gave him milk when he okay. was awake. And like, <laughs> so milk. he didn't, like, he didn't sit there beside me and I talked about it with him, with my five-week-old child. <laughs> so anyways, it was, it was, an, it was just a funny joke, but I want to hear your thoughts. So it's funny that you said that because I put it on on Friday, on Friday night. Today is Monday, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it was Saturday. I don't remember. But I had it on and my dad was like putzing around and I paused it. I paused it and like it was on the screensaver thing. So it wasn't anywhere awkward. And I told him like this is what I was watching for the podcast. And I just started like looking at my phone instead. He's like, oh, like why did you pause the movie you're watching? And I was like, oh, like it's a clockwork orange and like it's inappropriate. You shouldn't be watching these things. (laughs) Like you're just a child. So like I don't want you to see anything bad. He's like, I've seen it before, Mita. But yeah, thank you for pausing it. (laughs) Would have been awkward, especially because that first scene is just starts right away. Yeah, it's um, it's intense. It was literally right at that. Well, I guess I'll go into it. Yeah, go into (laughs) it. That first rape scene when the rival gang is trying to yeah. rape. Yeah. But yeah, okay, well, I guess for to start off, I'm so glad I didn't watch this at 15 years old. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would have been traumatized by what yeah. I watched. Because even as like a 30-year-old woman, it's this is extremely hard to watch. Yeah, it still is. Yeah. And I was, I was so fascinated because I hadn't seen it in years. And while I'm watching it, I was just like, could you imagine watching this in the 70s when this came out? Yeah, that's what I kept thinking the whole time. And we said the same thing when we watched 2001 A Space yeah. Odyssey. Yeah. Where I was like, I couldn't imagine seeing this in a theater today. Yeah. It's a lot as a movie. Yeah. And very jarring. Yeah. And I think there's definitely a message that goes along with this film. And it, it's actually really easy to, to cipher it and to like mm. understand what he's trying to say. But it's with such strong imagery that I I don't know if I agree with, like, that's the best way to get your message across. Like, it's so disturbing to me. And I don't believe in censorship. Although, like, I'm finding myself more and more being like... <laughs> We've said this multiple times, actually. Yeah. What was the other movie where, where you were like, I'm not sure if I believe in censorship. But... I don't remember. 
Oh, well, we were talking about train spotting where, where it's like, oh, yeah, which okay. this actually, there's a lot of elements in train spotting yeah. that I felt while watching this, especially watching the gangs. And I, I don't believe in sensory. I really don't. But there are some things that I would, like, if I was a parent, I'd be like, no, like, you're not watching this until you're, like, 45 years old. <laughs> and even then, like, I don't know if I would want my own child to, to subject themselves to it. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around, like, all that ultraviolence and all of that yeah. disturbing imagery. But it's still, it really, like, brings the point home i'm battling that internally still you know i think the thing about a clockwork orange is above anything else it stirs a conversation yeah about so many things about the content and the thema themes it's trying to portray and i think that in and of itself is applaud worthy like whether whatever you feel about the film fine but more than say a cinderella story you are <laughs> It's you such are polar opposite. <laughs> but you are sitting here having a conversation and you can have an earnest conversation about censorship, about the depictions of violence and sex and sexual violence, and then about what the story is trying to say, mm-hmm. and then still have an opinion about the movie. Yeah. Like they could all be very different. You could think the movie is terrible, but still think the depictions are relevant or the themes are relevant. Do you know what I mean? Like not everything needs to align. Like you have varying opinions about everything. I think so much of what is like being told in the story is still very relevant now. 30, no, 40 years later, 50, 50. 50, Oh my, what? What year? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And it is very relevant, especially to today's times and, Mm -hmm. and things that are going on in the world. And I think, He's all, what's the term that I'm looking for when someone's like ahead of the curve, but before their time? Is that what I'm trying to say? Ahead of the time. Ahead of the times. Yes. Thank you. Stanley Kubrick is definitely ahead of the times. Definitely. Yeah. Um, And I could see why people in 1971 would be so shocked and want to, to ban this movie. Was The Exorcist banned too, though? I'm wondering. The Exorcist was controversial, for sure. Yeah. I, do, I think it was banned in some places. Probably, like, banned in the Vatican and, like, Rome and stuff. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I don't remember hearing if it was banned the way this was banned. Mm. I felt like this was more jarring than The Exorcist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing that was I found interesting was I was expecting to go into this and be like, oh, my God, it was amazing. And I, I didn't, I think, like, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. But when I was 22, when I saw this and I was a little shit, I loved it because I was supposed to love it. Mm -hmm. I don't remember actually what I felt the second time I watched it. But when I watched it now, I'm like, this is good. But there are things that I'm kind of a little bit more cognizant of as an adult. And I'm just wondering, I wouldn't call this personally my favorite Stanley Kubrick movie. And I wouldn't call it his strongest either. Yeah. I think... He's a very good director, and I don't think many people could direct this. No. And while this isn't my favorite Stanley Kubrick movie, this is still light years ahead of many other people's best work. And there's so much control with it, too. So much control. So, yeah. He is, he is a master of his craft. For some, for a movie that feels, like, out of control and wild and disturbing, yeah. there's so much control in, like, all of the images and what you're seeing. 
And like, he is extremely talented, but I see what you're saying of like, I don't, I don't know if I, I liked this though. Like, did I need to see the story? And I'm curious, like you read the book too. Is the book similar? Does it have the same kind of imagery? So the book is really hard to read Mm -hmm. because it is entirely in that language. Oh, gross. I can't read that. (laughs) So I looked it up. It's called NADSAT and it's like a created language and it's a combination of like slang and like I think Russian and like different like and the entire novel is told from Alex's the main character played by Malcolm McDowell his perspective and in that slang Mm -hmm. and you're reading it out loud and like at times I'm like what am I like you don't know what you're reading also the other thing it's very similar to you've read American Psycho too right yeah so and you've seen American Psycho yeah reading something never feels as vulgar as watching it it's no and it's true that's because how those mediums work yeah american psycho as a book is is it's insane the violence in the book american psycho is it's out of control and there is some stuff in there that like my concern is less the book and more how chuck falaniuk palaniuk i don't know how to pronounce his name how he wrote it no Brett Easton it's Ellis? Palahniuk. It's Brett Easton <laughs> yeah. Ellis, sorry. I was like, wait, because what? Chuck Palahniuk is another one. <laughs> yeah. But my bigger concern is, how did this man actually write this? Like, how, what was in your What's mind? What's going to in think, your head that you would yeah, come up that with that this, this was acceptable? Yeah. So the book itself is, it follows the same story. And I do find that the book is able to get across the themes more. Because while the violence is happening, you're able to, you're not distracted by it Mm -hmm. i'm glad you brought this up because i do think there's like a culture element for both of those things for american psycho and for clockwork orange that Mm -hmm. like come into play because i think a lot of the controversy when american psycho the film came out was Mm -hmm. that you know it's glorifying this violence and um it's glorifying kind of like yeah be culture in a way too like i know a lot of guys who watched it and were like oh yeah like i want a suit like patrick bateman or i want business cards like him and when I think back to when I was 15 and the reason why, like, I fibbed and said, yeah, I've seen A Clockwork Orange is because, like, so many males had said that, oh, I watched this movie. It's so great. It's so great. And at the time, I thought, oh, like, maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I'm not, like, cool enough to yeah. understand Stanley Kubrick or to like it. But there's a culture piece to this, too, where I think males typically, or younger males at least, really resonate with the themes that are there. And that's so scary to me. That this is something that you would think is like a cool movie. Yeah, I think I think you're one hundred percent right. Like there's definitely there's a cultural element. It's kind of like Wolf of Wall Street is very yeah. in that same vein, very dude oriented. At, at least though, these are they're good movies. Yes, I will give them that. That they are well made and they yeah, like they, the point. The point. The point is articulated. Point. <laughs> yeah, it's porn and a point. Yeah. <laughs> it's articulated well and like there's there's art and craft behind it but i worry about and again oh my i said the same thing with train spotting when you watch this at a certain point in your life at a certain age what are you taking away from it and are those things that you should be taking away from it yeah yeah i think this this even at the time i this was a movie that i was like you have to be a certain age to watch this it isn't just like a 18 plus you know birthday let's go watch this I think you need to be like 25 bare minimum to turn this movie on and be able to form an opinion that is educated and be able to, you have to be able to look 
past the violence yeah. and the sex and the nudity in a way that is not ignoring it, but also being able to be like, okay, this is what I'm watching and this is what, what I'm watching is trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that just comes with age. But and also for a lot of people, though, it just doesn't come. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, ugh. <laughs> it's a lot. And I think one other thing I was watching when I was watching it this time is I think Stanley Kubrick has always been able to kind of walk a tight rope when it comes to sex and nudity. Mm-hmm. But when I was watching this, I was just like, how is this not gratuitous? Like, how is this considered artful for what it is? And like, this is a real question. I'm kind of like watching it and I'm like, I see what you're, I see what you're seeing. And I see how, what, what function the nudity, specifically the female nudity is meant to, what it's meant to communicate. Mm-hmm. But how is this not gratuitous? There are two extreme rape scenes, like extremely disturbing rape scenes. Mm-hmm. And how is the nudity in that considered artful? Yeah. And I'm talking about the fact that A Clockwork Orange is considered a modern-day classic. So how is the nudity in that considered artful, but it still is grotesque? Versus, like, if you watched rape porn, what's the difference? Like, I Spit on Your Grave, for instance. What's the difference between that and this? And as I'm saying it, part of me is like, I guess the it's never titillating in this. No, not for me. (laughs) (laughs) But it isn't. Like, it wasn't for me either. And I think, I don't think anyone's sitting there, like, jerking it to a clockwork orange. Ooh. (laughs) But you, sorry sorry to put it that way, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it's meant. Yeah, date night movie. (laughs) Netflix and chill to a clockwork orange. I don't think it's meant to arouse anybody. And it does. If you're doing that, you're a psycho. (laughs) You're a psycho. And I think that whole opening 20 minutes is meant to be so disturbing. And there is so much nudity. And like, I think the nudity and the violence intermix in a way that makes the nudity less acceptable or less titillating. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's a, this is a complex movie and it's a, I honestly, now I think I fully understand it. Yeah. And I think what it, like, it, like, like, I think with you, I agree what it's, with what it's trying to say and the notion of good versus evil and choice versus compulsion. Yeah. But did this movie have to be this way in order to tell that theme? I don't think it needed to. I think he is so, he's talented enough in everything he does that like there could, it could be so much more subtle. Like I think about Eyes Wide Shut and like, Granted, that one's really hard to cipher because there's yeah. so many different vantage points and like ideas and concepts that come across, but it's not as violent as this. And it, it is a lot more subtle. And there is like overt nudity in that film, but it's not in the same way that it, it appears here. The other thing I noticed though is he's very specific about the type of female bodies he shows. Yes. Like, they all look the yes. exact same across exact the same. board. Yeah. yeah. Exact and all have it was weird. I was just like, all these women have the same breast shape. Yes. Like it's a very weird specific. And like no form. two boobs are alike. Yeah, but yeah. somehow all <laughs> but of somehow these, we found them all. Like, and not just in one movie. Where I'm talking like across the board in Stanley Kubrick movies, all the women look the same. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird I and it's weird because I think Stanley Kubrick gets away with a lot of stuff because he's He's a genius. He actually is a filmmaking genius. But for instance, all the women in Eyes Wide Shut look the exact same. Yeah. And while I that mean, could be a cool. fetish of Stanley Kubrick, it's also because that's meant to be 
the women in the film. It's the driving. It's driving the plot. Yeah, it's yeah. an actual form. Mm-hmm. But why does the why did the few women in Clockwork Orange have to look the same as the women, women in Eyes Wide Shut that came out like thirty years later? Yeah, it's, that it's is weird. That's definitely him having like a, a thing for that type of woman. Mm-hmm. But he gets away with it because these are the the movies are so different and they're so varied and they're so they are gene they're 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 amazing films in their own right. Oh, Kubrick! This one really took a lot out of me. I won't lie. <laughs> I did also find that this time when I watched it, it felt very long. It's so long. It doesn't need to be yeah. over two hours. It no, takes I think a this really... Could have been at, I think you could have kept a lot. There's a, And there's a lot of like extraneous stuff that I'm like, I don't know if we really even need this scene. You don't need all that prison stuff. You don't need as much of the gang like riling up together as there is. Also, like did not recognize Malcolm McDowell at all. McDowell? McDonald? McDowell, I think. I like him now better. <laughs> no, of course. But I mean, this is where he came from, right? This is the thing that made him. Can you imagine? Like, like how like does this. But how does this make you. Like, how do you then go to Mary. Um, Mary Steenberg. Yeah, right. this? <laughs> like, how is she like, oh, I find him attractive. Like, yeah. he's such a deviant. In this. Oh, no. It's one thing that I was watching mm-hmm. is when I was watching the film, I was thinking how cute my son would look dressed up as one of the droogs from A Clockwork Orange Stop it. No, I'm dead serious. That's what I it's mean, though. Been... It's that bro culture <laughs> no. of like... It's not, and it's always, I've always thought as a Halloween costume, it's very, very, especially on kids. I've seen it done, and it's very cute. But, <laughs> and, I, and this is this is an honest conversation. I'm saying I couldn't help but think how cute it would be, but at the same time being like, isn't that kind of strange, though? Like, is that... <laughs> Is that what, how you want to... Is that what you want your child to yeah, emulate? Yeah, but then at the same time, if I put on the scream mask on my kid, is that like, is that just as bad then? Put him in a little suit and he can be Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman, yeah, exactly. out business cards. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's hard to get past sometimes the, the cultural influence mm-hmm. of the pieces. And it's, this is, a, I think, a prime example. And I think the whole time I was watching this, I could see the genius so much in so much of what he had done, but I couldn't help but be a little underwhelmed by it as well. Yeah, like I wasn't, you know, very moved by it. I found Eyes Wide Shut to just be like a little bit more effective in what it was on what I think it's trying to do. Because again, mm-hmm. it's a hard movie to follow and hard to understand. I have mixed emotions about it, but I always remember it and it keeps coming back to me. Mm-hmm. This, I don't want to remember it. Like, I, now that I've seen it and, like, I've absorbed it and I feel like I'm at an age where I can have, like, a valid viewpoint and I'm not kind of, like, hopped up on teen hormones or anything like yeah. that, I think that I uh, I walked away from it just being like, okay, I did it. Like, it's done. <laughs> it's checked off the list of, yeah. like, movies that I have to watch. But I don't think I would ever revisit it. But, and that's fair, you don't have to rewatch it, but how, what is your stance on whether it was a movie to watch before the end of the world? I think when we, you talk about, you know, movies and films, you're going to naturally talk about Stanley Kubrick because he's Mm -hmm. made such a lasting impression. And so in terms of like what I have seen of his work, which is not too many, it's it's varied, this does stand out and it explains him as a director a lot more. I think mm-hmm, it's really it interesting to look at something like this 
and then look at his career, like his last film, look at Eyes Wide Shut and see the difference. Because as much as I said that this is so restrained in terms of like how he was able to control things, Eyes Wide Shut has even more restraint and like is even more sort of streamlined and focused. And you can see that build from something from the 70s, from something to the 90s. And so in terms of like films that I should watch and should know, yes, you were right in picking this. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was wrong about picking a Cinderella story. (laughs) No, but again, Rick, remember they hold different, the movies that we have picked so far and will continue to pick, they all have a different, they serve different purposes, right? And this is, I think, A Clockwork Orange is not, it's not a separation for me, for instance. It's not Lutera. It's not Chinatown. That's not why I picked it, because I love it. I picked it because it's like, oh, how have you not seen this important work in cinema and formed an opinion about it? Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the thing about A Clockwork Orange is, good or bad, you will have an opinion about it. And you'll have an opinion about the film, and you'll have an opinion about what the film has to say. And that is, I think, the beauty of movies. And that's what I think this really encapsulates is that it is, this is a conversation starter if there is ever one. It's true. There is a lot to talk about here. And I kind of feel like, I don't know if me, as much as I didn't want to watch it with my dad, I wish I maybe had watched it with somebody because then you can have those conversations immediately Mm -hmm. after. And that's what this movie wants you to do. It wants you to think, um, and that's what all his movies do. Yeah. wants you to, ha- to have those conversations about the things that you wouldn't necessarily talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess maybe because I did watch it alone and then I was left alone with all of those thoughts. <laughs> Just looking at the screen up. <laughs> that I was a little little scared. But when I think about the Stanley Kubrick movies that I have watched now, mm-hmm. I know what I, I feel my favorite is so far, but I wanted to ask you what your favorite is. That's a very good question. Yeah. You know, as I've aged, I'm now 36, I think there's a point in my life where I would have said A Clockwork Orange. And I would have, because it's his most obvious work, Mm -hmm. I think there's a time where I would have said 2001, because I think it's more respected. Mm -hmm. I think at 36, I'm going to be honest and say, I think it's Eyes Wide Shut. I love The Shining. I find The Shining a little long. And I think it's an amazing horror film, though. But Eyes Wide Shut is... It's such a cerebral ride. It's so intelligent and it's so... You discover so much every time you watch it. It never feels the same and it never feels boring. It's such an interesting film. So I think... And I think... I I really like what you said about like when you go to Clockwork Orange and then you watch Eyes Wide Shut, you can see the evolution of his filmmaking. Eyes Wide Shut... I think, sorry, A Clockwork Orange is a film made by... A filmmaking genius. Eyes Wide Shut is a film made by a filmmaking genius in complete control of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I think if Stanley Kubrick, before he died, had remade A Clockwork Orange, it would have been a different movie. And I think it would have been a better movie. That's a really interesting point. Because the other thing I kept thinking about this, too, is that this could be made today. Yeah, it could. It totally could. Would it be good, though? And I think that's the thing is that I don't think anyone could make it today and not make everything that's in this version of A Clockwork Orange seem gratuitous, which is it's an amazing thing he really does is Mm -hmm. there's a lot of violence and sex and nudity and like sexual violence. And none of it seems none of it seems over the top. 
Yeah. It's, it's a lot, because but it doesn't seem this, over the top. It's with the backdrop of being in a dystopian future, yeah. which I'm so sick of. <laughs> like, I don't like a dystopian future. I don't need to know what it's going to be like. I'd like it, to see a utopian future. Yeah, let's build one. But yeah, it has this the backdrop of having a dystopian future, but it's not screaming it in your face. Like, you, yeah. you understand, okay, it's not the future that we know or yeah. would have thought or if I watched this in the 70s I don't think I would have been oh maybe I would have wouldn't have been so distracted by that yeah um and that that takes a lot of power and restraint too but I also had read up that he was given a very limited budget for this because he had spent so much money on 2001 a space odyssey yeah. that they were like uh make this for very little but he did it he did it. And maybe he that's did. why really it's not as it. restraint as I would show. What if he had that masterful capacity in the 70s, but it, money didn't allow him to do that? Because maybe, when you yeah. look at Eyes Wide Shut, yeah, it's really restraint. It's it's also my my favorite that we've watched. I was just going to ask. Watched. Yeah. yeah, for pretty much the same reason, so I'm not going <laughs> to reiterate it. But he, it also took him like five years to make yeah. it. Yeah. You know, like Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise had to move to London. London, maybe it was yeah. three years, but it still, took, yeah, it's, he had all the time yeah. in the world, and they gave him all the time in the world. And there's also conspiracy theories that it actually isn't his final cut. Yes, that's yeah. a big thing. And it's so good, but it it might not even be his final cut. Like, what are we missing? Oh, yeah, I want to know. His version have been. I'm gonna go on Reddit and like read here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do want to watch Lolita. I do want to watch Lolita. I want to watch Barry Lyndon. Yeah. I also want to see, yeah. I also want to see Dr. Strangelove. Mm. And I want to see Full Metal Jacket. I, I really do want to see his entire filmography. I don't want to watch Fear and Desire again. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. I'm done. That saw was it. our last episode of last season. If you guys want to go back and take a listen. You don't need to watch the movie, though. You really don't. But you can listen to our podcast. Shining Disappointment. <laughs> But watch The Shining because that's really enjoyable too. <laughs> the Shining is very good. It's such a limited filmography too, though. It's only like what, like ten movies? It's a very small. It's a very specific filmography too. Like everyone knows everything by Stanley Kubrick. I think count. we've named all of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 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 Films. Yeah, it's not much. No. So we could do it in a weekend. In a weekend. In a weekend. Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe like two weekends. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do it in a weekend. Before we get to ratings, do you yes. have any sequel prequel ideas? Like, yes and no. <laughs> I I want to know more about like how this dystopian future came to be and why yeah. they speak in this like Cockney Russian yeah. like language. Whatever this is. What happened to the world. Does the book explain that? No? Okay, so it's just like, puts you right there. Yeah, it is yeah, just Yeah, I feel like that's poor storytelling. <laughs> no, I actually don't. I like that there's there's no need to explain why we're here. It is just is, because it becomes so distracting. One great thing, and I mentioned this somewhere before, is I was reading something, or I wrote something about gay people. Mm-hmm. And someone said, and I don't remember the context, so I don't know if this was a conversation I had with someone or something I read, but the gist of whatever was said was, our piece of art did not discuss AIDS amongst gay people. And whoever said it said, you need to focus on something. You can't talk about everything. A gay person's story cannot be about the coming out of their sexuality and AIDS 
and you know the acceptance from parents like i can't be everything you gotta pick and choose respect and then you gotta focus respect didn't yeah so i like that they're kind of just like this is it just accept it and like let's follow me on on the journey i actually want to take you on fair i think it might be interesting to see like what happened but then the other thing that i would like to know is um at the end of the movie when he's in the hospital recovering from committing suicide Uh or attempting suicide sorry attempting suicide also, we're not supposed to say committing suicide anymore. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. I don't remember what the PC term is. But oh, God. After he's back from the hospital from attempting suicide, yes. there's a, a nurse or a psychologist, we don't know, who comes in and administers some tests with him. And she has like a Mary Poppins accent. <laughs> yeah, she She's does. like, delightful. All yeah. right. What do you see here? And I want to know her story. Okay. Like. Is she, I think she's her. her. Like I was really into scene. her. I was like, oh, you're like a nice person in this weird, weird, messed up world. Oh. And so I want to know, like, um, is she a psychologist? And oh. what what is her study about currently? Yeah. Um, what notes is she taking based off of Alex's answers? Mm. You know. Just the huge. The huge. It could be a mini series. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's all I got. <laughs> that's it? Okay. <laughs> Do you have any? I never asked you. (laughs) No, I usually don't. Sometimes I do and I'll tell you. For this, I don't either, I think. For me, the thing is, a movie shouldn't need a sequel or a prequel. Fair, okay. It should be able to tell the story it needs to. I think there are some amazing sequels, obviously, we know, and some amazing prequels. But generally speaking, I don't think this is a movie that needs it. No, it doesn't. This is just meet the... Being me, though. <laughs> For sure. I'm thinking. And, but I can also tell because you don't feel very strongly about them either. No. They're just like, they could be. And you also, you get mad when I say like, I don't really have anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we do, yeah that, that's fair. I do do So that. I'm staying true to the segment. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm going to go give my rating. So you have a moment to figure out what you're going to rate it. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you're actually not really sure. And you're just going to use... This explanation of what you're rating it to kind of get to what you're rating it. Because <laughs> I don't know how I feel, actually. Like, yeah. I actually, I'm still trying, I'm still sitting here as I'm talking, trying to see, like, where does it fit? I don't, it's not a five-star film to me. I really do think it's a great film. I think Stanley Kubrick does so much and teaches so much about filmmaking and storytelling. In this one film, there's a lot to be said about how to use sex, nudity, and violence and what story you're trying to tell, how to effectively tell that story, how to just have some interesting techniques. That threesome he has, for instance, in his bedroom from that single take and it's done at shutter speed. It's just an interesting way of portraying something and still getting across what you're trying to get across. And only someone like Stanley Kubrick can really, I think, do a lot of those things. And I think A Clockwork Orange is an example of so many great ingredients and so many great ideas and so so much good But even when you step away from it, it just, a movie still has to sit right. Like, no matter how good it is, no matter what people say about it, at the end of the day, your personal experience has to inform your feeling about it. And so when I watch this, and I am by no means, I'm not offended here. I'm not, I'm not rating it something lower because I'm offended by it or I think it's gratuitous. I'm just walking away as a film and being like, A, I think this could have been shorter. I think it's at two hours and 20 minutes, it's just too long mm-hmm. for what it is. And it loses a lot of its steam. And I think something Stanley Kubrick does is he's a big fan of his own work. <laughs> and his narcissism kind of shows 
in how long his movies are. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be this long. The scenes don't need to be this drawn out. I don't think it needs to be razor sharp and like quick editing, but it does. this story does not warrant two and a half hours. This is not like Gone Girl, for instance, where like that two and a half hours, I'm like, no, you, you need that entire time frame. This does not. This is more so, like Magnolia. Yeah, where you're kind of at the ascent. When they start singing a song, you're kind of like, I think we're done here. <laughs> That said, this is a classic, and you do need to watch it. And if you are film buffs, this is, sorry, if you are film buff, this is required viewing. If only to form an opinion about it and have something to say about it. Because there's a reason it is as big in the film world. So it is a movie to watch before the end of the world. And I am going to give it four stars. Four. Okay. Well, you I'm are giving it three and a half stars. Huh? I think I'm giving it three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, I'm changing yeah, it right now. I said now. four, and I was just like, that feels so high for this. It's a, it's a really hard one to rate. Yeah. Because even as you were talking, I kept thinking in my mind, what am I going to say? Yeah. <laughs> because I, I walked away from this really jarred by the imagery, mm. but the imagery was effective in telling the points, or at least what I think he's trying to convey. Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea of is goodness innate? Does it come naturally? Nature versus nurture. There's so much symbolism with like drinking milk. And when you drink mm-hmm. milk, you do bad things. Are you drinking your mother's milk? Does that make you yeah. a bad person? And I really like the milk analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those are things to credit to also like the author of the books as well. But I. Very true. Yes. I do think that having not read the book. But I think it, it is always really hard to adapt something, especially something that has so much imagery and so mm-hmm. much things that are volatile in them. And he's able to do that in a really constricted manner because it could also like as much as and as disturbing like the rape scenes are or when he's holding like the phallic statue yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like charging at a woman with it. As disturbing as that is, it could be even worse. And, like, there are a lot of moments, like, he he kills someone with a statue, but you don't see blood. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when you smack her, it shows, like, this pop art image instead of, like, seeing her bloody face. Yeah. Like, there's no gore to it, which I, I think is really smart because that's really, like, as much as I was disturbed by these things, the point was driven home to me and I could understand it and process it a lot better. Mm-hmm. I'm also really glad that I watched this now instead of when I was yeah. a lot younger because I, I would have lied to myself and been like, yes. it, it's either two things. I would have lied to myself and said like, oh, this is a masterpiece and it's so mm-hmm. great and I loved it. Or I would have been like, I'm scared. <laughs> like, what was <laughs> this? And so right now I'm kind of in this middle because I can really appreciate him as a filmmaker now that I've seen more of his films and kind of understand his direction a lot more. But at the same time, I wasn't like wowed by it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not walking away thinking like this is one of the greatest films that I've ever saw. This is one of his better films of the ones that we've seen. And like we I think we both kind of landed on the same place with 2001 where it was like. Oh, we have these big expectations of like how masterful this is going to be, but then we're like let down by them once we actually yeah. experience them. And I'm having that similar like notation. Yeah. yeah. But I do think this is so much better than 2001 A Space Odyssey, which like blows my mind because he was given yeah. all the resources, all the money in the world to make that yeah. film. And this one was like in such a short amount of time with such a small amount of money. And like he does something that's 
a lot more successful. I understand this so much more than I understood yeah. that one. And so all that to say, I'm still trying to figure out what my number <laughs> is, but I think I'm going to land at, I can't do like 0.25, eh? No. <laughs> I want to do three and a half. Okay. Seven out of 10 feels Feels right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Three and a half as well. And also, as you were talking, one thing that occurred to me is we talk about the rape scenes. One of them is an attempted rape. The other one you actually don't see happen either. It is, it happens, you're told it does happen. Yeah. And you see kind of the beginnings of it, but you don't see it There is something so jarring about seeing those nude bodies, though, and you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. And it's really hard to process. Have you ever seen, there's this French film called Irreversible? No. With Monica Bellucci? I like Monica Bellucci. Oh, you wouldn't like Irreversible. And we're not going to watch it because it's essentially about, it's told in reverse order. It's about this couple, this woman gets brutally raped in a tunnel in Paris. Yeah. And there is like a five minute single shot of her being raped. And it's like extremely graphic and extremely disturbing to watch. But this is somehow more disturbing because you don't see it. Right. Do you know what I mean? There's so much power in ref- being... Constraint can be so powerful. Mm-hmm. And this because is, you're I think, left to your own devices. You're left to like, you know what's going to yes. happen. You know what's going to... It's not being spoon fed to you, which I think yeah. is just... It's a really smart way to convey that message. Also, when I rented Irreversible, I was in my 20s. And I watched it, and I think my dad then watched it after, and he we were having dinner once. I'm he's scared like, no, for you. <laughs> you don't really need to watch everything because it's out there. You know what? Your dad is right. <laughs> you don't need to watch everything because it's out yeah, there. you don't need to. No. But that was a Clockwork Orange, and you do need to watch it. Yeah, I would you say, yes, do. yes, you do. Like Nadim said, if you're a film buff, if you're interested in Stanley Kubrick and his films, I really, I love that we've watched, like, four of his movies now. Yeah. And I feel like I'm like a Kubrick file. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like less of a fraud than I did when I was a teenager. So thank you. <laughs> he's definitely, he's definitely someone to watch. And his yeah. movies always breed such amazing conversation. And I, it's not even that I'm like, I love his films. It's just like, I, yeah. I love what he does. Yeah. I think there's also so much like, you can tell he really loves making movies. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell just by watching it, even if you don't... And this is the difference. You might not love the movie itself, but even, mm-hmm. and even like watching A Clockwork Orange, I don't love it. But I watch it and I'm like, this is a movie made by a man who knows what he's doing. Yeah. This is a well-made, controlled piece of filmmaking, the way movies should be made. Good job, Stan. Good job, Stan. <laughs> but we I feel like next... you. <laughs> I feel like next week Mitha's taking us to a lighter place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a fair assumption. But yeah, oh. it, it is time for different characters. Same world. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All three are actors in the yes. film. Okay. So no directors or producers. I'm getting my timer out. And... I'm going to start by giving you your character names, okay? Okay. okay. So the characters are Alan Parrish, Tom Ripley, okay. Larry Geely. And your timer starts now. Am I watching Good Bit of the Whole Thing? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs>
Good job. How do you Tom like Ripley. them apples? <laughs> <laughs> because Tom Ripley is the ta- Matt Damon and the talented Mr. Ripley. Yep. Gilly is Ben Affleck and Gilly. Yeah, Larry Gilly. <laughs> and who is uh, Robin Williams? Alan Parrish in, in Jumanji. 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 Okay. Which I was like one of my all-time favorite kid movies. Okay. Yeah. Goodwill Hunting. Good Goodwill Hunting. I've never you, seen Goodwill. You've Hunting. never seen it. So. No. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. Much lighter than a Clockwork Orange, I feel. <laughs> Much lighter. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not like super excited about it. I told you this last week. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, last week or the week before. After Wait, we finished. Wait, then why are we watching this? After we, because you've never seen it. <laughs> so, I'll get into I it next seen week. I've a lot of movies for the record, but that's mean we have to watch them. I'll get into it next week. Okay, fine. What, a, what an interesting way to end this episode. <laughs> And start that one. At the end of a bigger splash, I had said to you, like, oh, my next one for you, I'm not that excited about. Oh, okay. But the one after this, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So things to look forward to, things listeners. To look forward to. Yeah. But that is next week. Yes. Before we get there, Mita, do you have some parting words? I do. I guess I shouldn't do a British accent. Don't do it, no. <laughs> okay. Goodness is something to be chosen. Or is it? <laughs> this was, I, I was watching this and I was just like, I don't know what she's going to pick up. I, I did like, like, thou glory bottle of a cheap stinking chip oil. But you didn't like it, so. I didn't. Yeah. I think this is just more on theme. It's, this is a hard movie for quotes. I was actually going to say you should do Singing in the Rain, but then that's how I'm going to close out this episode right now. You're probably listening to it right, right now. Right now, yeah. Lucky you. There we go. Okay. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for a movie meet that does not want to see, but <laughs> for me anyways. Goodwill hunting. <laughs> How do you like them apples? <laughs> Have a lovely week, friends. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. I'm singing